Blog Talk Radio. Sylvia, host of sylviaglobal.com. I am so excited to have back again doing part two in a series, Miss um, Emily Bouchard. Emily Bouchard is a master coach and the managing partner of Wealth Legacy Group, where she coaches wealth holders and their advisors on the emotional impact of money and wealth in people's lives. She is also the founder of BlendedFamilies.com and is considered a leading expert in the field of step and blended family dynamics. Emily, thank you so much for being here with us today on Sylvia Global. How are you? I'm great. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank you. We had such a great conversation um, last time, and our listeners can hear that on SylviaGlobal.com and also on iTunes as a podcast if they just go to Sylvia Global and click on radio. Uh, about blended families, about your book, about the things that are really important in you know this whole you know the, the whole area of wealth legacy. Uh, let's pick up today on some of the key components of blended family estate fla- estate planning. Um, excuse me, blended family and estate planning, and regardless of background, the areas that you see being most important. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a a topic I is really near and dear to my heart, and a lot of people uh, live with a lot of these questions, but they don't even know where to go for the answers. And uh, just to make sure your listeners are aware of what we're meaning right now in terms of blended families, because yes. that can mean different things to different people, um, I want to just uh, say that right now we're speaking about people who are raising children from prior relationships in each other's lives. So, you know, the typical scenario is uh, people have gotten divorced, they've had children from prior marriages, and then they uh, meet somebody, fall in love, and start creating another family uh, with the yours, mine, and ours scenarios that can happen. Um, it also, we've expanded that definition over time because there are people that do not remarry, um, so they stay in committed partnerships, but they don't actually get married again. And there are also people that can't get married, people who are in same-sex relationships, who are raising children possibly from prior marriages um, or prior relationships, uh, children they've adopted, um, but they're bringing new partnerships into the mix for those children. And uh, definitely wanted to honor and acknowledge all the different ways these families can look these days. So we use the word partner in our book instead of spouse for that reason. Um, so uh, do you have any questions about that? I wanted to just make sure to clarify that first. Um, the qu- Yes, I do. I have a question. How are you able to speak to the the rapid increase of blended families at all? We speak into uh, the statistics around it, and you know, basically, what's happening is um, the divorce statistic is staying pretty consistent, fifty percent, and people are um, divorcing um, sooner. Um, there's also people that are, you know, getting married later in life, maybe for the first time, and in that situation, the likelihood of the person they're marrying having um, uh, been in uh, prior relationships and having children in the past is also much greater. 
so it you know our our culture shifting people uh you know people are really evolving and transforming at such a, a faster pace now and uh social norms that used to really contain and keep people in a certain way of being aren't holding on as tightly in our lives and so there's more freedom to go with what feels right and as a result we go in and out of relationships more fluidly and i think the other part is there is some confusion and people think oh I wasn't happy in my first relationship. Now I've found my, this person's going to be it. And they don't realize it's not about the person. It's about whatever the patterns are in relating. And then typically what can happen is there's a much higher degree of divorce or separation, uh, dissolution of second union, whether they're married or not, because of, uh, the fact that uh, people don't necessarily do the work the first time around and they make they blame the other partner for why it didn't work. Uh, so that's another reason that we've seen. And, uh, yeah, there's basically I'm not as concerned about the why as more about, hey, how do people have thriving, fabulous relationships with each other when they're with each other so that everybody can flourish and really get the most out of being together for however long they're together. How hopefully do you, they'll want to be together longer. And how do you find that um, the successful ones happen when it comes to their money oh, and money management? Such a good question. And, you know, one of the first topics that we want to make sure people talk about is, um, and you and I have spoken a little bit about this, prenuptial agreements um, or postnuptial if they've already gotten married and they haven't done it, but keeping uh, property separate so they can honor... Uh, what they want to have happen for their children from prior relationships as they move forward in the future. And people really balk at this conversation. They don't know how to have it. They don't have it because they don't know how to have it. And one of the things that we coach people really effectively on is how to have this emotionally charged conversation effectively in a way that strengthens the relationship and strengthens the marriage if that's what you're doing and that really makes it so you build the skills to have those important emotionally charged conversations, especially in relationship to money. Because one of the main reasons why marriages do break up has to do with a lack of competence around having these conversations, especially around money. So it's less about the content around what do we do about the money, but more how do we go about having that conversation that makes all of the difference. Do most people require some assistance with this um, in this area and this discussion? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Gail, Sylvia, but most people have not been brought up in uh, family environments where conversations about money have been seen and witnessed as really healthy and vibrant and um, affirming of the relationship. People typically see uh, conflict, avoidance, upset, um, you know, we don't talk about money when they show up being curious. They, they, there's not a lot of natural training and building of competence around how to have these conversations effectively in relationship. And just like, you know, you wouldn't um, start a radio show without some coaching and some support around, well, how do you do this right and effectively? You know, we don't, don't go to the right uh, mentors or trainers uh, around how we communicate, and it makes <laughs> such a difference. It seems like money is taboo to talk about in many um, families, and there are mixed messages. You know, maybe for um, some it's 
you know, you, you we grow up hearing things such as money doesn't grow on trees or what do you think I am, the bank, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of snide remarks at an early age or we um, hear in the background um, a different tone and tension at certain times of the month or when certain expenses. Um, and then as the wealth accumulates, then the 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 atmosphere might change, but there's still these underlying currents of mixed messages in terms of what to do with it, to grow it, and to make it, um, you know, continue to work for for us. So t- speak to that and how these mixed messages, um, the messaging can be changed. Oh, such a great question. And you know, one of the things that I do is people I work with and that we do at Wealth Legacy Group is we bring in the uh, whole phenomenon of um, what we call money types. And so when you're speaking about this description of the mixed messages and, you know, what we've grown up with, it, it impacts our bodies. It impacts our uh, thinking and in ways that we're not necessarily consciously aware of. And it builds up a whole pattern of relating around money, around wealth, around talking about these things that um, can be looked at in terms of our archetypal patterns of relating. And so let's say, for instance, you watch a witness, um, maybe a really strong, um, domineering, more father figure. That may be more of a tyrant archetype when it comes to money. And then you may witness a mother that has more of a... um, uh, uh, looks one way in front of him when they're arguing or when they're talking about it, like agreeing, um, not putting up any kind of um, emphasizing her point of view, uh, more maybe what would look like a victim role, but then going behind and then um, uh, they might see some resentment showing up, um, withholding of other things as a result of what she didn't get in terms of the money, so there might be some martyr pieces there. Um and then you can build up different patterns. And so you, somebody may have a sense of um, not a lot of feeling of competence or success related to money, and they may have more of an innocent feeling around it. And then when the wealth accumulates or when they suddenly find themselves as a beneficiary inheriting wealth or benefiting from you know, the parents uh, uh, and what, what they've accumulated, there can be a real sense of um, uh, uh, overwhelm and a sense of responsibility and yet not feeling competent in terms of what to do, in terms of how to go about making good decisions. Um, and, you know, another big piece that can happen is an overwhelm that happens when you have too many choices, and people really don't understand that. It's like, oh, that's what you want to have, but it can be very uh, paralyzing because you don't want to make a bad decision. And so and when you bring the bone of family mix into it and all the complexities of that, you can have a lot of issues around conflicts of interest and, um, wow, I really want this, but I don't know how to go about saying that because I don't want to upset the apple cart, and yet by not saying it, it actually creates an undercurrent of resentment that really undermines a relationship. You know, one girlfriend of mine, I'll never forget it, uh, several years ago said that, uh, and she she had her own, you know, financial independence, but she didn't marry into tremendous amounts of wealth. And but her husband, who had watched his parents um, struggle and work very hard, you know, to accumulate, um, 
financial means and to define their financial success, believed that a part of a big part of his success was due to the struggle and the deprivation. So they were teaching. You know, it's kind of interesting to to observe from the outside the mixed messages. And I don't know, you know, to this day how their daughters have ended up interpreting it. But her husband believed in deprivation, and the mother believed in exposure and opportunity, and put them in very exclusive, um, wealthy private schools where they were surrounded by lots of peers with um, tremendous amounts of money, but yet their self-image and their environment seemed to reflect one of deprivation. You know, it's just like, wow, this is really a lot more complicated and not talked about in our society when it seems like it should be, there should be some re-imaging around wealth. I know that's why I'm so thrilled at what you're doing with this show. It's so important to allow people the chance to really look at these issues and questions from a different vantage point because otherwise we're going to keep having the same experiences that have, you know, created all of this. And, you know, what you've just said, I can't tell you how many times I've encountered that with beneficiaries that then find themselves receiving wealth and yet having such mixed messages that they really feel paralyzed and they don't know how to move with it effectively. And the other thing I want to add to the mix in terms of the blended family piece is oftentimes we'll work with families where because of the disparate relationships that the children came from to begin with, some of the children in the family are going to benefit tremendously from wealth from the um, a parent that is not in that part, the partnership that we're working with, whereas other children in the partnership are not going to. So mm. it's... It's you got that disparity in those mixed yeah. messages under yeah. the same roof, under the, the same children roof. growing up in the same house. Mm. Mm. So it's, it can get it's very complex, and there's all kinds of ways to talk about fair versus equal, and to really look at um, the strengths and what are the unifying aspects of family, even as there are significant differences. But the partners have to first be on the same page, so that oh, they're sending it the makes same a big signal. Difference. Yeah. yeah. Talk to us about the difference in your work with as a managing partner of Wealth Legacy Group and as a found as the founder of BlendedFamilies.com. Oh, I appreciate you asking that because it, it can be confusing. So, in 2003, I started Blended-Families.com as a, a resource center and uh, a way to really bring value to anybody dealing with step family issues. Um, I got very passionate about it and started writing about it and. Um, developed a name for myself, developed the expertise where it was really known in the field. And then um, I was invited to start working with um, ultra-high net worth families and became part of um, Wealth Legacy Group in 2010 with my money coaching uh, training and perspective and uh, working very specifically with uh, family dynamics and relationship issues related to money and wealth. And I've always kind of kept the two hats a little bit separate. And what happened was um, uh, L. Paul Hood, uh, a recovering uh, estate planning attorney, approached me about uh, co-authoring the book, Estate Planning for the Blended Family. Wait, what do uh, you mean by recovering? <laughs> he's so great. He um, he was an estate planning attorney for over 20 years in Louisiana, has a tremendous amount of experience, has written a number of 
books and papers and has taught. He teaches at universities. And he um, moved out to California when he fell in love with his wife and uh, decided not to stay as a practicing attorney. He's um, done with the profession from that standpoint and now um, is a consultant, an advisor to advisors, and a writer and teacher. And so that's how he likes to refer to himself because <laughs> um, he understands the field inside and out and he's coming at it from a bit of a different perspective. And he's really passionate about bringing forward the human side of estate planning. And so he brought me in to uh, co-author the book with him to really bring in that component in terms of how you want to treat people, how you want, um, as people working with advisors, to communicate your needs effectively, really supporting the relational aspect of the whole thing when you have to make really important um, decisions that are going to impact people's lives. Okay, uh, so you talk about why this book is important and how it's different. Well, we you know, we looked at and did a pretty good literature search about what's out there. And first of all, there's not much out there in terms of specifics related to blended families and their estate planning. There might be a chapter in a book here. There's only one other book that we could find that actually specifically addressed it. And uh, one of the things that we did that was very different in this one is we brought in this whole component around um, the the money types so that people, as they're reading the book and looking at the different issues, can also look at it from the lens of which of the different money types in their lives are getting lit up. So if I'm reading about um, uh, making a decision related to um, having joint property or having separate property, and I find myself very fearful and holding on and um, staking a claim in a position, I may find that my tyrant archetype is coming on really strongly, and I may actually not get what I want as a result. And so the, the book shows people how to be able to speak and move around conflict of interest that allows an opening for all points of views to be heard and communicated and um, listened to that can allow for solutions to show up that wouldn't otherwise be available if we held so tightly to just one position. And so we show people how to do that. So the title of your book is Estate Planning for the Blended Family, and that's mm -hmm. available on at Amazon. Uh -huh. And then blended-families.com. That is, yeah, that's the the website. And if you do that with a, a forward slash estate planning, there's more information about the book. And we also have a free downloadable um, resource for people in terms of understanding these money types more, which I thought would be really valuable for anybody who needs to really strengthen and uh, build more competence around having these conversations effectively. So we created a free download for anybody who goes there. Now, that's your work with blended-families.com. And as a managing partner with the Wealth Legacy Group, you know, you're specializing in these emotional impacts of wealth and people's lives. And you have a partner. We're going to, I'm so excited because we will be doing a big announcement about your work with Sylvia Global and the audience and the availability, accessibility um, to you and to Jamie. Can you talk about your, just very briefly, about Wealth Legacy Group and the work that you do with um, Jamie? Oh, I'd be thrilled to, yes. And um, we're looking at ways of bridging the two more and more. Um, we're updating our website to bring the whole blended family component even more strongly there. And Wealth Legacy Group is um, 
specializes in the psychology of wealth and specifically around uh, the emotional impact of money and wealth in people's lives. And Jamie Traeger Muni uh, launched this company in 2005, and um, she is just a tremendous thought leader in the whole field of wealth psychology and uh, passionate about empowering uh, beneficiaries of wealth, inheritors of wealth, in feeling uh, really uh, competent, confident, and uh, able to move in ways in the world that they can feel um, great about, can feel really um, like they're making good decisions, that they can trust themselves, and um, where the money that's in their lives is a resource that they can access fluidly and effectively as opposed to feeling um, the burden and only the pain of it. You know, it's like maximizing the blessings and minimizing what you might call the curse. Mm. And giving people a place to speak about what you were talking about earlier, the taboo related to money and wealth that makes it so hard for people. You know, there's not a lot of space to talk about it in your lives. And a lot of people who find us are so grateful because they feel like they have to hide it. They don't know how to talk about it. They're embarrassed. They have some shame. It's There's so many different pieces to it. And so uh, we focus on beneficiaries, inheritors, and also people who have worked really hard, have built an identity in the world in terms of their business, and then they have a liquidity event, and they suddenly find themselves with tremendous amount of wealth and not knowing how to identify themselves in a new way in relationship to the wealth because they don't, they don't have the role in the business that they had before. So it's like kind of transition from that. It's, it's very exciting because what we're going to be doing is opening up that, this, you know, using Sylvia Global as a forum for changing and re-imaging and um, creating new narrative um, that needs to happen for all of us around wealth and money. Uh, at the same time, you're going to be you know, providing some very specific tools and resources that the listeners can can apply to their life and then connect through Sylvia Global and, you know, directly with the two of you. It's a very different conversation that we'll be having than those that are often happening around money, whether it's the wonderful work that someone like Susie Ortsman's doing and others, or Bill Ramsey, there's this, you know, and many others, but there's um, this additional component that needs to happen, and that's the component that Wealth Legacy Group will be bringing to Sylvia Global's audience. It's very, we're, we're extremely excited about it. Oh, we're just thrilled. And when we um, you know, learn more about your mission and your purpose and got to see the focus not just on money, but right. on faith, on business, philanthropy, the, all the different facets of health, and really expanding out the definition of wealth and then leadership, we were ecstatic because we speak so uh, into all of these different aspects of life in terms of how to maximize them, in terms of how to really have a fluidity and balance and flow as you go from one to the other, and what to do when you feel out of balance, when, you, when you're not feeling as um, effective with your family because you're focusing so much on the business, and how to be able to really move in your life in a way that just allows you to flourish and thrive. That's that is what we're about. You know, it's like it's a holistic look at uh, it's a holistic approach to living and the holistic role of money in our lives. Because I think similar to Western medicine practices, 
Um, so often we're, we compartmentalize or segment um, symptoms and, and only get treated for one particular symptom by one particular specialist who runs a series of tests within that compartment or department of our being when there needs to really be this more holistic approach of what affects us. And I think it's the same uh, when it comes to money, that um, our wealth and our well-being are all connected. And whether it's in our leadership capacity or our lack of leadership, it's our faith, it's our families, it's our business, it's our you know, our giving, it, it's all of these dimensions of who we are that money has a degree of, like a thread running through the fabric of our life. And I'm just excited because you and Jamie bring the expertise that adds voice and empowerment along with inspiration, looking at money and this holistic approach to our audience. Uh, you're so inspired in how you're opening up this conversation and giving people a place to come to where they can access all of those different resources and um, this new language, this new... It's like a paradigm shift. It's really yeah. thrilling yeah. what you're up to. Yeah, and we're just delighted to be able to be a part of it and to support your listeners when they feel really moved by something that they're hearing on how they can take action and how they can really incorporate it into their lives. It's going to be fun to hear their feedback and get their active um, participation. You know, Jamie, on a more personal note, before we came on the air, you were talking about um, we were talking about your vacation and yeah. horses. You know, let, let's introduce you by way of some of your personal interests and um, you know how that is a part of who you are as well as these other roles that, that you've described this morning. Oh yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, it, it was an extraordinary experience, actually. One of my clients um, uh, was very moved to do something that's been on her bucket list for a long time, which is to do a very um, intimate uh, gathering of um, trusted friends and with uh, myself there as a support coach and, you know, a femtor, a mentor that's a woman. And to, a femtor, uh, that's a uh, nice expression. Yeah, yeah, it's... You're definitely a femtor in this whole field. It's great. Uh, and so there were five of us that went to a place called Skyhorse Ranch um, in Petaluma. Um, I think it's actually Valley Ford near Petaluma in Northern California. And um, Ariana Strozzi runs this extraordinary program uh, focused on leadership and uh, using horses to really support, um, in this case it was women, uh, in being in our true power and being in our authentic selves because horses will, in the moment they're with you, will sense where you are authentic and where you're not. And they will be drawn to and come towards you when there is a sense of you being in your authentic power and truth. And if they have a sense that you're not so sure of yourself, you're afraid, you're speaking something different than how you're actually feeling, they're not going to be interested they want to feel you engaged, and um, and they actually may want to go away from you, depending. And so she really um, educates, spent the time educating us around um, how to be with the horses in terms of being with ourselves. It wasn't about, you know, don't walk behind the horse. It was about, no, how are you? What are you noticing? What are you seeing from how the horses are moving? And really letting 
the horses be this uh, incredible mirror reflecting back that which you're ready to start to look at for yourself. It's power. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? Oh, it was. It's just absolutely, uh, absolutely um, amazing. Only because we've become so disconnected from in our relationship, I believe, with animals and nature. That when we have these these experiences like you're describing, it sounds hard to you know the phantom. You know, like how. You know, how can a horse teach us that when we actually have so much that we can learn from um, every part of our life? You know, if our listeners, I was sharing with you, too, that if you go to sylviaglobal.com, you'll see a link on the homepage for Girls Fly. And this very experience that you're describing was incorporated into the Girls Fly event with more than five different stables in Tucson when we test ran it. And the response... Um, was phenomenal. The number of people that registered for that um, that session was absolutely to capacity and wow. was really popular for this very reason of you know this how we can learn leadership and other valuable information about our personalities from a horse. You know, yeah. just that time with a horse. how many days were you there? Uh, we we were there for two days and there were just mm-hmm. five of us and we had. Like all of this incredible attention, we had fourteen horses that we were with, and wow. it was just magical. And the woman who arranged the whole thing, you know, my client, um, she got such value out of it. Um, it was she's not the same person anymore, and I'll never forget it. I mean, I got some incredible value for myself um, witnessing it. You know, as you witness one person transform, you can't help but transform yourself. It's it's really beautiful work. We had um, one young lady working, an engineer, very intelligent, you know, accomplished academic, uh, academically. We had one volunteer who was working with us on Girls Fly. And before the event, um, I required all of our volunteers to actually go through an experience um, associated with their own dreams and their own aspirations um, leading up to the actual girls' fly event. And so this one young lady was actually afraid of horses. She thought she was afraid of horses, but um, it turned out that she had been assigned to one of the ranches. And she had this magical connection with a horse, like within, you know, the first less than 15 minutes, you know, of going through some of the techniques and just burst into tears and it was so emotionally overwhelming for her that you know she really you know had a, a truly life-changing experience through the course of that whole equestrian connection so we'll be coming back you know we have lots to share with our audience on Sylvia Global and we'll include Emily Bouchard in some of those equestrian discussions as well um as the wealth um, discussions. As we get ready to close, Emily, you know, if you had some key components that you wanted to come back, have our listeners come back and learn from you and um, for future conversation, what would those key components be that you would want addressed? Oh, wow. Thanks for asking that. I think given everything that we've talked about, the most important thing I can say is that um, when you're having a conversation or money is part of the conversation, if you can continue to keep breathing and um, see where you can shift your position 
And if you can let go of being right and allow for what else might be here and start to open up some possibilities. And if you're feeling like you can't and it's like, I have to keep holding on, breathe into that fear and slow down the conversation about the money and start to do some inquiries, some exploration around what's this fear about. And that can really help to shift it, to shift the mood and the conversation and the tone. And I would say don't make any decisions if you're being really driven by a strong fear. Um, that's when you want to seek out help and support so that you can feel like you're making very empowering decisions. That's, that's what I would leave people with. You're wonderful. So excited to have you on again this morning. Emily Bouchard, Master Coach and an incredibly gifted and graceful, gracious um, leader in the area of wealth legacy and our our association with money and how it affects us um, emotionally and at all levels of our life. We'll look forward to having you back again, Emily, very Thanks soon. Thanks so much, Gail Sylvia. Very excited. This broadcast can be heard on sylviaglobal.com, also on iTunes. You can get additional information about Emily Bouchard and her work at blended is it is it all one word or dot dash family? It has that little hyphen in the middle of it. Yeah, okay. it's blended dash families dot com. Dot com. Or wealthlegacygroup.net. So yeah. Perfect. Talk to you soon. Have a good Thank day. Thank you.